there on the name of the Lord, let's say it together, the everlasting God, Father. Nobody says God. And so here the, 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 the setting is, he plants a tree. Now, this wasn't the first Earth Day. There's significant that's going on here. And so part of the dispute was that Abraham dug a well, because again, Israel is a very, a lot of it is a very desert life. And what's lacking in a desert? Water. It is more precious than gold in a desert, water. Because without it, you don't live very long. And so Abraham dug a well, Abimelech's men came and stole the well from him, and so there was a dispute over this well. And so at the end of it, basically Abraham plants a tree. And what is the significance of that? Well, he was planting a tree because it was symbolic of there was water there. And this tree was going to continue to live because there was water there. There was an, an oasis. There was a place for him to feed his animals. And so in the midst of that, when that comes through, that Abimelech allows him to, to, to basically put his name on that piece of property, that's where Abraham says, he called that place the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. See, it was tied to circumstances. The tree was symbolic of there was water there to sustain life. God, the everlasting God, provided this for us. And that's what's going on. And so when we think about God's, you know, being the everlasting God, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a couple practical things. First of all, God's not moody. Any of you know anybody who's moody? Don't point any fingers. I just ask this simple question. God is never, ever moody. That's right, thumbs up. Absolutely. He's not moody. Because he's the everlasting He doesn't live by his emotions. He has them, but he doesn't live by them. He lives by the truth. That's what God does. Because he's the everlasting God. He's the same. He remains true and steady in all of his attributes. See, one name or one attribute is not, is not better than the others. God's love is not greater than his holiness. It's not. Because God is greater than the totality of all of his character qualities. He's God. He's the everlasting God. Put another way, God's plans have always been the same. From this book, Genesis chapter 3, it has always been about salvation is by grace through faith. Always. It's never been about works. You say, well, Steve, what about the law? Well, let, let's get together and we can talk about that. It looks like the law was there and it was a work, but it was never. The law was never about works. God doesn't change. He's the everlasting God. That's who he is. 
And that's what he is about. So let's read a couple, uh, we're going to bring a couple verses and we're going to read these together. Uh, there's a lot more verses that we could look at here. Um, and so let's read these together. First one is Psalm 90, verse 2. Let's read it out loud together. Before the mountains were brought forth, One of the things I love about the scriptures, it always takes what we know and see, creation, and it helps us understand who God is. Um, the next one, uh, Psalm 93, 2. Together. Your Very good. That's good. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We have two more here, and then we're going to uh, sing a few songs, okay? So you guys can come on up. Isaiah 26, verse 4. Do we have that one? Oh, yeah. You ready? Trust in the Lord forever. Very good. And one more. I think you'll know this one. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And so why don't you go ahead and stand with me and we're going to worship the everlasting God. The everlasting God. We'll be here after uh, the service. You can talk with her even in this moment and uh, you can always talk to Joni. She's a familiar face all the time and she loves to talk. Um, I, should, oh, I, I better be careful of that. Wait a second here. Her husband's pretty big. We, we've seen that before, you know. So uh, Tim's my friend. But um, so... Uh, um, so we're going we're gonna to have a, uh, a, a greeting time. We're going to give you um, 60 seconds, maybe 120 seconds. Genesis chapter 18, we're going to get there in a moment. And uh, we're going to look at another name of God. And um, Adler did a st superb job at uh, kind of giving us the visual for it. Um, and uh, this is real. And I told him, if you break this, Judge Fordor is coming after you. I will take you there personally. So uh, he did a great job. And so, um, so we're going to talk about Shaphat, which is the uh, English equivalent of the Hebrew name judge. That God is judge. God is judge. And it carries the idea, when you think of judge, the idea of ruling, governing, and sovereignty. Let me share a verse here. I'm going to just bring it up so I don't have to flip to it. Isaiah 33, verse 22, says this. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Now, just keep that up there. Keep that up there for a second. So this is where, when, when we were processing through this, um, we have a cultural uh, aversion to really understanding God is our judge. Because in our culture, in our context, there's a separation of powers. We live in a democracy, right? And so a judge has one role, and a Senate, the Senate has another role. One writes the laws, one upholds the laws, um, and, and you can see. 
um, what that looks like. And so this is where we always have to be careful that we don't take our experience and we put it on what the Scriptures has to say. Because if we do that, we will get what God is communicating to us wrongly. Okay? And so that's our cultural. And again, I think this verse gives a great perspective. The Lord is the judge, and what is it? He is the law giver. That's not in our culture. Judges don't make laws in our culture. But God's the law giver. He's also the king. He upholds it. And he will, he will save us. And so this is where we see this. And again, in other forms of government, the, 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 uh, the king or the leader um, would, would do all of these roles. And so that gives us a better understanding. You think back to when King Solomon came into power, um, David's son. And you remember, he pleaded for, for wisdom. And, and he was sitting on his throne. And, and before him came two women and one child. And they were arguing their case before the, who? Before the judge. The king was the judge, too. And you remember the story. You can go back and look at it. But the story was, one of, only one of these uh, women was the mother of that child. And so what did Solomon do? God gave him wisdom. Solomon said, okay, we're going to cut the child in half, and we'll give each of you half of the child. <gasps> Why would you do that? Because Solomon knew, if I say that, the real mom would never in a million years ever let someone cut their child in half. They would rather their child stay alive and give it to the other person. The judge was wise because God gave him wisdom. And so we're going to look here at God is judge. God is judge. And so Genesis chapter 18, and again, um, the story here where the context, um, and I think you probably know this, Genesis chapter 18 um, is uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so uh, if you remember the story, it's a very uh, wicked place. It's a very sin-filled place. And God himself shows up. The two angels uh, go towards the city. Um, because God is going to do something. And if you remember Abraham, what does Abraham do? Abraham starts pleading before God. God, if there's 50 righteous people, would you, would you stop what you're going to do? Okay, if there's 50. And he knew that there wasn't 50. Well, what about 45, God? If there's 45 righteous people, would you stop doing what you're going to do? And you know the story. You can go back to Genesis chapter 18. It's Abraham is interceding and pleading, and he gets down to 10. If there's 10 righteous, would you hold your judgment back? Does God withhold it? No, he doesn't, because he's a perfect judge. He's a perfect judge. And so look down in uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 25. Here's what he says. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? It's a rhetorical question. Of course. God is a 
righteous judge. He always does what is right. There is not another judge like him. There's nobody like him. See, God is a righteous judge. His decisions are right every single time, all the time. And so that's what we see, that God is judge. It's part of who he is. You see, justice is rooted in God's character. He faithfully keeps and upholds the law of his very character. He gave us the law, but he upholds the law because he's judge. He's judge. There's a lot of verses uh, with this, and we uh, don't have time uh, to look at them, but I think what I want to get to is a verse in uh, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what John says. He says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And see, this is the picture that he's giving. God the Father is the judge. Jesus Christ is the advocate. To put it in our terms, he's the defense attorney. He's the one that represents sinful people, you and I, to the right judge. And so what does he say here? He's our advocate. He always tells the truth. And so the point that he's making, again, he, John's talking here to believers, so he's saying, you know, he's reminding us as believers that we have an advocate every day, 24-7, no matter what. You take the setting of the courtroom, so who's the prosecution in, 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 in our story? Who's the prosecution? Satan is. Or is, that, is that what someone said? The accuser comes and says, ah, you know, you see, you screwed up again, you loser. God can't use you, you. That's what... That's what he says. The accuser does. He keeps saying things that are not true. And you know what Jesus Christ, our defense attorney, says? Got him covered. See that there? That's the visible proof. I stood before the judge. I took your punishment. Completely, fully, not partially, completely. He's mine. So this is where it comes down to you're in one of two places. Is Jesus your defense attorney? Have you come to the place where you've put your trust, your faith, your full weight in him, his blood, that he took your punishment, that he, that he, he, he stood before his father and said, give it to me because I love him that much. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news. He didn't circumvent the judge. He went right before him. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you have a lot of religion in your life. Maybe, uh, you, we can get mixed up on all kinds of things. Maybe for you this morning, what you need to hear is Jesus is offering to be your advocate. Have you trusted him? Have you trusted him? That's the best news we could ever give to anyone. The simplicity of the gospel. 
for, the, for all of us you know, who, who have put your faith in Christ, we need to be reminded over and over again too, don't we? That Jesus is our advocate. And on your worst day as a believer, you might beat yourself up and you might be listening to all kinds of voices. This is why we need to be in for the truthful voice. Because it's the only voice that matters. It's accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's tied into the everlasting God. That's the truth. And so this is where we have to stop going to all these other voices that are telling us things that might make us feel good, that might look good, but at the end of the day, they're untrue. They're untrue. They're untrue. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to sing two last songs here. And I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I, don't, I know we're sharing a lot and some of you are like, whoo, whoo. Um, but we're in a battle, right? So why don't we go ahead and stand up and let me pray and then uh, we'll finish out with these last two songs. God, we thank you so much that you are the everlasting God and you're also the judge. And God, as we hear that, there are things in this life that, make, that don't make sense to us. We see things that we say that seems unjust. I, I struggle with that, Lord. And so, Father, I pray as we sing these songs, God, that, that as we wrestle with you, that you would speak to our hearts, God, wherever we need to just let go and say, you know what, we can't fully understand it, but God, you are the judge and you are right, and I'm just going to trust you for all of my questions that I can't get answered. I'm going to trust you. God, we praise you and we thank you that you are the perfect, righteous, your name we pray. Amen.